Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a fascinating show for you. My only regret is that the show is only an hour because I could talk to this guest for days. Um, He is the psychic lawyer. His name is Mark Anthony. He has a new book out that's called Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. And he has managed to um, combine both professions, that of being a, a psychic medium and that of being a real lawyer, a real psychic medium and a real lawyer, and, which makes for very interesting um, situations. And um, I, without further ado, let me introduce you, Mark Anthony. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me first, you know, I usually put my guests on Dr. Carroll's couch um, and ask about, about, you know, what brought them to where they are at this point, whether it's a book that they wrote or, you know, the work that they do and so on. And I was really fascinated by um, your history of of growing up from uh, being the the result of a long line of psychics. So what was that like? It, it was really interesting. It's kind of like everybody loves Raymond meets Ghost. I mean, <laughs> it. Uh, I, I grew up in, in in a family where my father um, he is is a psychic medium, but he comes from a very conservative uh, family from Pennsylvania, and my mother comes from an Italian Catholic uh, family, uh, her parents having immigrated from Italy. And, um, you know, my dad's side, they didn't want to talk about it. They, they kept it under wraps. Mm-hmm. Mom's family, they talked about it. In fact, in the uh, Italian community in, in Brooklyn and in North Jersey years ago, my great-grandmother was known as the woman who knew things. Mm-hmm. And, and nuns would flock to her for advice. It was really quite interesting. So when I came along, around age four, I started seeing invisible friends. Well, my parents knew what was going on because they could see them as well. And so we didn't think it was weird. It's just they told me not to talk about it. Mm. And, and being, being a psychiatrist, you'll probably find this <clears throat> both interesting and, and, and shocking. My father's sister, Marjorie, she was an extremely gifted psychic. And not only could she detect the presence of spirits, but she could see the future with, with crystal clear clarity. Mm. And her husband had her committed to a mental institution. Oh, in, wow. In, yeah, it was around 1953. 
Uh, these two men came in the middle of the night, literally, and they dragged her out of the house, put her in a straitjacket, and then took her to an institution where they gave her electroshock therapy mm-hmm. for six months, over a period of six months, until she no longer could see the future or, or detect uh, the presence of spirits. So, huh. uh, it, I know. I, That's so, so I, sad. It, was was it, had she seen, had she told people about, um, or her husband in particular, about things that were going to happen in the future and, and they happened and that was very frightening to him? Absolutely. In fact, the, the pivotal event was her, one day her husband was going to work and he was employed as a machinist at Harrison Steel in Pennsylvania. And she started throwing a fit, and his name was Newton. They called him Newt. She goes, Newt, you can't go to work today. He goes, Marge, I'm going to work. She goes, no, I know something horrible is going to happen. And, and, and they got into this big fight. She threw a fit, and he said, fine, I'll stay home. Well, that day at uh, the uh, steel yard, a crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams, and it was maneuvering them over the machine shop that Newt worked in, and then mm. the cable snapped, and it flattened the machine shop like a pancake, where Newt would have been standing. I mean, it killed other people, but, but where he was, it was just devastated. And that really unnerved him, because apparently he was very religious, and he did not view her gift as a gift. He looked at it as something dark and evil. Mm. Um, so he repaid her by having her committed uh, to an insane asylum, and, and, and back in the 1950s, um, that was nothing short of abuse and, and torture by today's standards. And so, did she ever get out? She did, and uh, you know she lived probably for about another 20, 25 years, uh, and she was a shadow of what she'd once been. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like this very Catherine Hepburn type of character. She used to ride horses. Like, she'd wear the white blouses and the skirts, and she was a prodigious reader and uh, had a great sense of humor. And they said, uh, they meaning my parents, said when she got out of the institution, she um, basically stayed indoors, didn't talk to people very much, and just kind of buried herself in her books. And, and it's really a shame because, I mean, there's several instance, instances uh, where she, she was able to predict the future with this, with this absolute clarity. And so when I was around four and I started seeing spirits, I remember my father, and I, I talk about this in, in my book, Never Letting Go, it, he said, Mark, you can't talk about this. And, and he was very clear to me, people will think you're crazy. Mm. And so we kind of kept it in the house, but it was always there. You know, like, you know, as a teenager, I mean, having a psychic mom was a real bummer when you're a teenager. I was, I was thinking about that. You couldn't <laughs> lie to her about where you were going or what you oh. were doing. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. And they, they always kind of knew what we were up to. But my mother um, was, was amazing. In fact, if she told us, I don't want you doing something, we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why was my brother was about 15. And a couple of his friends were coming over. One of them had just got his dad's car for the, the afternoon. And Mom was going around holding her stomach. And she goes, oh, my God, i got this bad pain in my stomach. And she said to my brother, his name is Earl, she goes, Earl, you cannot go with your friends today. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, come on, Mom. You know how 15 years, you know, you know Mom, like, totally, you know, like, give me a hard time. You know, so, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and it's a neighbor girl, Patty. And Mom says, you're going with Patty, and like shows him out the door, goes, Patty, get him out of here. Take him huh. to your house, take him, go anywhere. 
Ten minutes later, this car zooms up in the neighborhood, and, and these three boys are in it. And I, I'll never forget, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm about six years younger than my brother, but I do remember this very, very vividly. I was watching, and Mom said to the boys, Earl, Earl's not here. Um, you can catch up with him tomorrow, and please be careful. Oh, yeah, whatever, and they zoom off. Twenty minutes later, that car hit a telephone pole going 90 miles an hour, and all three boys were killed. Oh, my God. And after that, you know, you know, Dad would look at my brother and I and say, if your mother tells you to do something, you better do it. And so we never, and I could go on and on and on with, with examples like that. So this is the environment that I grew up in, and I didn't think it was weird. It's just kind of the way it was. You know, I could just see a sitcom. <laughs> I mean, kind of a dark, a dark sitcom, but nonetheless, kind of like a Munsters meets I don't know what. <laughs> and, and believe me, if TV producers are listening, Dr. Carol and I are very open to this idea. Yes, right. <laughs> oh, wow. So, okay. So then when, so now, of course, you know, you've, um, you've been, you make no um, secret. Uh, I mean, you know, calling yourself a psychic lawyer and doing this. When, when did you come out, so to speak? You know, it must have been very frightening um, seeing what could happen where what your father was saying, that people would think that you were crazy and, and not like you or put you in a mental hospital or, or whatever. <laughs> um, so how did you trans, transform from someone who wasn't supposed to and recognized why he shouldn't tell to someone who now makes writes a book about it? It, it had always been there, and I used to have these lengthy discussions with my mother about the other side because you know she was constantly in touch with them. And in fact, she even gave a reading to Shirley MacLaine one time. Hmm. Um, and and I wanted to find out. I go, well, what did you tell Shirley? And she goes, that's none of your business. And so I never found out. <laughs> I was like, come on, mom. Um, but it was when she she died, um, and I'll never forget some years before she passed. Uh, I was saying, you know, Mom, I, I question my ability. She was, yes, my son, the lawyer, I know that you you do. And it, it, when, whenever she was kind of giving me a hard time, she goes, yes, my son, the lawyer. Um, and, but she said, Mark, I will prove to you that, that the other side exists. And I said, well, how can you do that? She said, I will visit you from the other side. Mm. And I'm like, Mom, you know, that's kind of like, you know, creeping me out. Well, the day before she passed, I was in my office, and I started thinking, I started getting like this flash about spaghetti. You know, being Italian or half Italian, you know, spaghetti's kind of, you know, way of life. But I pick up the phone, I call mom. She goes, honey, I just made spaghetti. Come on huh? over for lunch. I go, oh, great. And uh, let me tell you, my mom's cooking. You never wanted to miss that. So I went over, and we had a really good lunch. And when I was leaving, she said to me, she goes, Mark, I want to tell you something. She goes, you're my son, I'm very proud of you, and I love you very much, and thank you for bringing so much joy into my life. Hmm. And I'm like, God, oh, Mom, that's so sweet, and I, I really appreciate that. And I hugged her and I kissed her, and I got my car and went back to work. The next morning, I was in court, and the judge's assistant came out, and she said, Mr. Anthony, we need to see you right now. And I was like, oh, no. And I went into the judge's chambers, and apparently my mother had passed that morning in her sleep. Huh. How I mean, old we, was she? She was 78, and what's, you know, she had a lot of health issues. A lot of mediums do, um, but she had some very complicated health issues. But if you saw her, you'd never think it because she kind of had this whole Jackie O thing going on with uh, very stylish, the big sunglasses, always real upbeat and charming. 
And, um, and what was really frustrating is most people in our life and, and our family live to be about 100 years old. Huh. They live well into their late 90s, but she had these health issues um, that I suspect were somewhat related to her being a medium because after a major psychic episode, she'd always have like a heart attack or, or some mm. type of health issue. Mm. So that was something to be aware of. Oh, wow. All right. Well, we need to take a break now. Um, this is a, a good fad, but good spot, I guess, to take a break. Um, my guest, who, uh, God, you really, um, really could be on with, as I was saying, forever, talking so much about all this interesting stuff that you do. His name is Mark Anthony. His new book is called Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with a psychic lawyer who heals our grief with help from the other side, and that's uh, all in his book, Never Letting Go. Before the break, we were talking about his mother passing, and I wanted to ask you, um, well, first, during the break, I was asking you how old you were, and you you said you were 45. Um, I wanted to ask whether you had any, do you think you had some kind of premonition? I mean, do you think your thinking of spaghetti, for example, and going over there that day resulted from some kind of feeling that maybe was unconscious? Oh, that's exactly what it was, Um, because in my family, we... It's it's like if I start thinking about my brother, all of a sudden the phone rings and there he is. And the same thing with my sister. And um, we, we we get a big kick out of that. Before caller ID, you know, caller ID makes us all cheat now. <laughs> but, but before caller ID, that's the way it was. And mom and I, uh, because um, I'm the most like her psychically, my, mm. my siblings, while they sense uh, the presence of spirits, they're more intuitive. 
they, they're more they pick up on on future events whereas i'm the medium i i see spirits i communicate with spirits mm. like my mother did and i know that i was supposed to be there i know that i was supposed to say goodbye to her and whoever you know god i assume was intervening to give me that opportunity um to to actually say goodbye mm-hmm. and, and and you know dr carroll one of the things that i try to stress to people because i do a lot of lecturing and i i appear on in a lot of media and television is that when you have a conversation with somebody that you love even if it's heated and argumentative the last thing you say before you hang up or walk out the door you need to say i love you even if it's like look you're really ticking me off right now but i i i love you because you never know if that is the last thing you're yeah. ever going to say i have conducted thousands of readings for people and so many of them have are filled with regrets where these people are saying the last words with my father were heated mm. why didn't i tell my husband or my wife that i loved you know him or her i had an argument i the, these folks that did a reading for recently they had an argument with their son and then he went and hung himself mm. and if and if they would have said i love you it it it's not of course going to make the grieving easier but it wouldn't put so much guilt on them yeah. and it's important and i know a lot of people that say well you know if somebody loves me they should know that's just a guy thing well she should know that i love her <laughs> it's like hey guys <laughs> the guys that are listening you know not everyone i don't even read minds okay so so t- tell people that you love that you love them no one's going to think less of you for doing that in fact they're going to think more of you and that that's I think just a very important thing that we all need to be very very cognizant of. Yes, you're absolutely right. That is so true. I mean, you know, how many times we get into an argument with someone and you hang up on them. You don't even you don't not not only do you not say I love you, but you know, you you argue and then you just hang up. So, yes. Um and I don't mean to be morbid, but I, there's a reason why I'm asking you this. Ask away. How, how old, when did your father die, before or after your mother? Oh, no, Dad's still here. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Dad, Dad's a trip. <laughs> um, I, I recently went to Pennsylvania with my father because he wanted to visit his hometown. And he lives in this town called uh, Honesdale in, in Pennsylvania, and it's way up in the mountains. It's... It's near Carbondale, which I'd never even heard of. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful little town, and we went to see the grave of his parents. And it was really such a beautiful place because we're standing there in the graveyard, and it was um, the grass was so green that day. It was sort of a, a drizzly day, and he has a lot of you know regrets because his mother died when he was like 17. She had a brain aneurysm and just collapsed. She was a school teacher. She collapsed mm-hmm. in class. And you never got a chance to say goodbye to her. And then all of a sudden in the graveyard, my grandfather, my grandmother, his sister, um, uh, this this woman that uh, is a friend of ours, her husband, all these spirits came forth. Huh. And you don't have to go to a graveyard to do this. But I guess they figured, well, you know, hey, you're in the right place. And the resolution that, that I saw in my father's eyes, and when we were done, he hugged me and he goes, God, I'm so glad you're my son. 
Huh. You know, and it was like, wow. And, and what I saw is my dad is, is 85 now, but he's still sharp as a tack. I mean, he's one of the guys that figured out how to bring Apollo 13 back. So this is the, you know, the brain trust that, that huh. I had to grow, grow up with. And, and, um, but I, I saw him not as an 85-year-old man, but as a 17-year-old boy who still mourned his mother's mm. passing. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen with grief... Well, yeah, that's what I was. That's where I was going with this. Um, not just to be, but I, I, I was interested in what you know. There were so many. There are so many ways that you can go with with your um, your gifts. That I wondered why it went to this never letting go heal grief, and I was wondering whether it had to do with your parent or parents having died, and and your wanting. Uh, you know, know, knowing what it's like to feel that grief and and wanting to help other people go through that because it was so hard for you. Uh, all of the above, um, you know, being being a medium is is a gift, and it's also a tremendous responsibility. It frightens a lot of people. I've never looked at it as frightening or scary. I look at it as validating that life is everlasting, and that when our physical existence ceases that we step out of our body like you would get out of a car i mean i think of our bodies like a car are we the car or are we in the car and you know some people like their cars they're nice and shiny and people look and go woohoo nice car <laughs> um and other people look at dented rusty cars and and don't give them a second glance and think that somehow those cars don't matter but we aren't the car and when we get when when the car no longer functions we get out of it and we move on and that understanding to me is very, very comforting. And I believe that it, that the objective of mediumship, because I practice which no, what is known as evidential mediumship. Because look, if I, you know, I was doing a reading for, for you, Dr. Carroll, I said, oh, your grandmother's here and she loves you. And, and it, it, that's nice to hear, but it doesn't prove anything. If I start telling you what she was like and, and her habits and, and favorite song, and what she passed from, what she looked like, and then other people in her life start to come through. In other words, evidence. Well, then that proves the identity of the spirit, and that can be validated. So it's it's very important to for me as a lawyer to have evidence that I present to a judge or to a jury, and as a medium to present evidence to the client, the recipient of the message, to help them understand that life is everlasting. So how, okay, so how does this help with grief? Some people, well, uh, some people have a beautiful gift of faith, and they know that when we physically die, we go on. Um, A lot of religious people call up and say, you you should not be doing that. I say, well, you don't need validation. Um, Although a lot of very religious people come to me because, and and when, when someone you love dies, it very often it feels like the rug has been pulled right out from under you. Your faith drains from you. And, and, and I write about this in Never Letting Go, that doubt is part of the journey through grief. Doubt is part of our journey through faith. Some of the greatest teachers of all time, like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, even Jesus on the cross said, you know, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and uh, so many people go through a crisis of faith, even if it's only for a few seconds. But but we wonder, is everything we learned 
as a Christian or as a Jew or as a Muslim or as a Hindu or as a Buddhist, et cetera, et cetera. Is it true when someone you love that brought so much joy into your life is now physically gone? And so what mediumship does is it's contact with the spirit of that person. So their memory, their personality, likes, dislikes, they are intact, and they're immortal because spirits, we as spirits, having a material world existence, are immortal beings, but for whatever reason, we are currently in material form going through this this existence. And so to demonstrate to people that life is everlasting eases the grief because you know that the person you love did not disintegrate into nothingness, and who and what they are lives on. Uh Uh-huh, okay. But then do people... um... Do people, I could see sort of getting addicted to wanting you to keep being in contact, like coming to see you every day, to to still make some contact with the deceased person. And Yes, and that's what we call um, psychic or medium junkies. Mm. And and that's not a healthy thing either. The title of my book is Never Letting Go. Let me explain what I mean about that. It's based on a message I received from Mom from the other side wherein she communicated to me, let go of the sorrow, but hold on to the love. What that Mm -hmm. means is you have to let go of the sorrow, the pain, the anguish, the shock, and the trauma of the physical death. Because we can get really caught up in how our loved ones died, and, and I don't fault people for doing that. But you must never let go of the love for that person, however... You love that person, realizing your relationship's gone from physical to a spiritual one, but you still have to get through the grieving process and move forward with your life and not... Because I won't do a reading for somebody every day. I tell people at least six months, maybe even a year. Mm. We still Mm -hmm. have to heal. We still have to go through the stages of grief. Mediumship... And in, in contact with a spirit is a therapeutic step in the journey through grief. And as I say in Never Letting Go, the journey through grief is like walking from Florida to California. I can get you to the Georgia border. The rest of the journey is up to you. Hmm. Meeting, meeting uh, well, you mean as far as completing the journey of grief. Uh-huh. Correct. You've got to acknowledge and accept the reality of the death, and that is not an easy thing to do. And through acceptance, you can get to a, a place of inner peace. And finding inner peace with the death of a loved one doesn't mean, hey, I'm all happy, <laughs> you know, because you're never happy about the death of a loved one, and you never get over a loved one. That's what I say, you know, never let go of that person, never let go of the love for that person. Uh-huh. You have to let go of the physicality and the physical desire to have them there, but realize that spiritually and energetically we're all connected. And it's all part of understanding that um, a greater power, which you can refer to as God, exists. Heaven and afterlife, the other side exists that we are immortal spirits having a material world existence. We can communicate with those spirits, and when it is our appointed time to leave the material world, we will be reunited with those we love on the other side. And when you, you realize that, you can't change the fact that someone you love died, but you can change your perspective on death. 
Yes, you know, that makes me think of, I'm sure, uh, well, we'll have to, we'll, we'll get, talk about this when we come back, but it makes me think of Steve Jobs, who, when he died, supposedly said, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. And uh, when we come back, um, you can give us your perspective on what, his, what he was wowing about. Uh, my guest is Mark Anthony. His book is Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. We will be back. Stay tuned. This is all fascinating stuff. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman with Mark Anthony, who is a practicing lawyer and psychic medium, with a new book called Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. Of course, by the end of the show, I will tell you how you can get that and so on. But right now, before the break, I was asking him about Steve Jobs and what he thought Steve Jobs' last words meant, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. My fantasy was, wishful thinking, I guess, um, that it was that he was seeing the, his loved ones who died on the other side. I have no doubt of that uh, because many people report seeing spirits of deceased loved ones coming to greet them. And, you know, we can speculate about, about Steve Jobs. And if, you know, Mrs. Uh, Jobs would like a reading, by all means, contact mm-hmm. me. And, and I'm not being funny about mm-hmm. that. I've had uh, people from a, a lot of celebrities and famous people's families uh, contact me. Um, but in near-death experience studies, let's go right to the science instead of the conjecture. 
uh, near-death experience studies have been conducted throughout the United States and all over the world. And we could spend an entire show simply talking about that. But in a nutshell, there are several similarities in near-death experiences. And one of them is that, uh, let me explain first what a near-death experience is. Somebody dies, their heart stops, I mean, they're, they are pronounced dead, and then they are either resuscitated or, for whatever other reason, are able to come back to life. And I don't mean like, you know, in the Jesus sense, rising on the third day. I mean <laughs> that uh, they're resuscitated or um, um, given uh, um, CPR to, to bring them back or saved from drowning. Car accidents. My dad had two of them. That, that's, a whole, that's a whole story, hmm. too. But... Um, there are several similarities. One is uh, the going into the light, seeing light, and being greeted by deceased loved ones. And you only see people that you know who have died. And one of the very interesting uh, case studies involved a woman in Japan. She died. She went to the light, and family was there, including her sister. Well, she was resuscitated, and, and they asked her, you know, did you see anything? And she said, yes, and the strange thing is I saw my sister, but she's alive. Mm. And, and uh, somebody that was there said, no, she was killed in a car accident yesterday. Wow. So this woman had no knowledge that her sister was dead, yet saw her on the other side. Yes. So um, then once you get past the I don't want to say get past the relatives, but as you go further into a uh, connection with the other side, the light intensifies. Now, what we theorize the light is because everybody talks about the intelligence. They go into this vast, loving intelligence. Christians tend to see Jesus. Hindus see um, Hindu deities. Buddhists see Buddha. Uh, Muslims see what they perceive to be Allah, and so, so on and so forth. Um, of course, the skeptics say, well, this is a function of the dying brain. However, I don't think so because even people who are blind talk about the light, blind since birth, and they're talking about this light. Um, I think because God is so infinite and beyond our ability to comprehend as we're transitioning from the material state into an eternal state on the other side, we have a tendency to anthropomorphize God by putting a human recognizable face on mm -hmm. God. And, and that's the theory behind that. Um, but because these people are able to be resuscitated, they come back. And my father had two near-death experiences. I'll just describe one of them, where he was a Navy SEAL. <clears throat> they called him Frogman back in World War II, but he was a Navy SEAL, and he was uh, on a scuba dive, and his regulator jammed, and he began to choke, and he began to drown. And he felt himself separate from his body and ascend into the light, and his mother was there, and, and his father and his grandparents and his sister who had died when she was like uh, 20 years old. And he said, this is so beautiful, I want to keep going. And he, and he encountered the light and, and the, uh, the intelligence, as he said. And they said, you're not finished, you have to go back. And the next thing he remembers is he's choking, and all of a sudden he cleared his regulator and mm. got it going again. Um, and that's not an unusual circumstance for people who have near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. So there is science behind this to prove that our consciousness actually survives our physical death. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, well, there are so many, so 
so much, so much more we can go into. I want to get into the lawyering aspect of this um, uh, psychic lawyer. <laughs> how, how do I use my ability as an attorney? Because yeah. people ask how? me that all the time. They go, "Do you? That's an unfair advantage." Right. Yeah, well, Michael Phelps has got really big feet, okay? <laughs> and that helps him win gold medals in the Olympics. You know, and, and Tiger Woods, who made a comeback this week uh, from, you know, all yes. the trials and tribulations he's been through, and, and nobody says, hey, you've got an unfair advantage. What it is, we all have a different skill set, and we're, we're all good at different things. And, and I'm a firm believer that everyone in the world is, is my superior because I can learn something from him or her. Nobody's above me. Uh, and, and, you know, it's very important to keep that into perspective. But part of the skill set I've been given is this intuitive ability uh, in addition to, to mediumship. And I, I particularly use it when I'm selecting a jury. Because prior to a trial starting, uh, both the prosecution and the defense, <coughs> and if it's a civil trial, the plaintiffs and the defense, uh, but, but this was a criminal trial, um, are able to ask the prospective jurors questions. And the reason for that is that we need to select the most fair and impartial jury as possible. Because you don't want a juror that has biases. I'd rather have a juror that may be prejudicial in their thinking than one who was dishonest. So you have to ask questions. So the prosecution got done asking their questions. And I was representing this guy, and he was kind of a redneck. Um, I mean, I live in Melbourne, Florida, so, you know, <laughs> the, Mel- the Melbournians understand what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And, and he got into a barroom brawl. So, you know, redneck A got in a fight with redneck uh-huh. B, two big, you know, you know, big guys that duked it out. And, and being that this was Melbourne, this wasn't our one barroom brawl for the year. Um, uh-huh. So I was drawn to this one woman, very, very beautiful Latino woman, and she had this gorgeous olive complexion. I mean, you know, it looks like she stepped out of a magazine. And I kept feeling this female presence around her, and I kept feeling a tightening around my throat. So that indicates to me that the spirit associated with this woman had some type of breathing issue associated with her throat. But I also got a weird feeling that she was not happy about this crime because it involved violence. So I looked at her, and I said, have you or has anyone in your family been the victim of a violent crime? She begins to tremble, and the tears fall from her eyes, and she looks at me and she says, about a year ago, my sister was in a foreign country when an escaped mental patient strangled her, chopped her body into pieces, and dumped her like she was garbage. And I'm standing there like, Oh, my God. Yeah. And everyone's staring at me, and, and my clients look at me like, dude, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? And, 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 you know, and all I'm thinking is, in law school, they didn't teach me how to deal with this particular situation. Uh-huh. And I found myself, and then the image of the spirit was intensifying, because now I was fully capable of seeing her and receiving communication for her. And literally, I had a foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. One as a lawyer here in the material world and one in the spiritual world and it was important for me to get a message through to the juror. It was important mm. for me to defend my client. And 
if you want to find out what happens... Oh, come on. You can't do that. <laughs> you're going to have to read Never Letting Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, sure there are lots of other interesting stories in Never Letting Go, too. <laughs> yeah, Never Letting Go is, is a collection. I, I don't want to say it's just a collection of stories because it's a journey through grief that I illustrate from the thousands of readings that I've conducted because... And you know this, Dr. Dr. Carroll, that information doesn't change people, but stories do. Mm. And these are stories about real people, real situations, real life that we can all relate to. Because if I sit there and go, okay, stage one of grief, blah, 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 mm. um, nobody really wants to read that. I mean, maybe it's intellectually interesting, but if you get into a situation like juror number nine or like um, uh, many of the other people that I come across, um, it's it's just amazing. I mean, well, I, just I know want to know how did you how did you deal with that ethical dilemma of telling the woman what she needed to know from her sister, and also, well, of course, you didn't want her on the jury, right? Um, she was actually excused. Uh, the judge uh, the judge felt that there was too much bias there, mm. and uh, because I, I asked if we could approach the bench, and he said, "Mark, don't worry about that." Mm-hmm. You know. He said, "This, you know, this, we're not going to." He goes, "I'm not going to put that woman through this." Mm. And, and I was glad that he didn't, because a lot of people, you know, they don't, they don't want to go through certain trials. I mean, if there's somebody on the jury, let's say it's a, a, a sexual abuse case, uh, and somebody on the jury has been molested, obviously, okay. you know, they don't want to sit through this. Nor do do I, as a defense attorney, want them. Yeah. Um, and and many times people speak up, and these situations are are very heart wrenching. Um, and I've gotten to the point where I don't, um, I, I got to the point in my practice where I no longer took, uh, murder cases or forcible rape cases or child molestation cases, because with the rapists and the, uh, child molesters, even if they didn't kill their victims, I mean, just doing what they did was bad enough, chances are they're sociopaths, and I have a real problem with sociopaths, and I can always tell when they're around. And for some reason, they can always kind of pick up on me, too. I've had one of them look at me one time and go, whatever you're doing, stop it. Oh, wow. You know, and I said, what? What am I doing? (laughs) Because because I knew, because what it is, I can't read them. And uh, psychic activity is a love-based function, and uh, it is theorized um, by by people in your field that sociopaths are incapable of the emotion of love. Right. yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously uh, a sentient uh, being and, and a spiritual being having a material world existence, and they're here for a reason. They're the dark energies that walk amongst us, and they inflict lessons on us. That's a nice way of putting it. And I can always tell them, and they can be very charismatic and very charming and full of smiles and all that, but they're sinister and extremely calculating and manip- manipulative um, beings. I mean, anybody that can do that to a child. Yeah, so before you, know, you stop taking these cases, did you have situations where you had a client, for example, who was, a mur- or, or who was accused of murder, and you saw the spirit of the person that they murdered? Yes. And at that time, I wasn't, um, I, I, um, I hadn't developed my mediumship to the level that it is now, because I'd like to talk about the Arthur Finley College when we get back yes. from the break. Okay, damn these breaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to take them. One, one more. Stay tuned, be sure to be back for Mark Anthony, the author of Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, 
Dr. Kara Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I want to get right back to my guest, Mark Anthony, the author of a new book called Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. He has all kinds of uh, degrees and so on. He was graduated from the Mercer Law School with honors. He studied law at Oxford University in England. He's also studied mediumship at the Arthur Findlay College. And there's so much I want to ask him. So we were, we were talking about, um, about you um, seeing some of the murdered and I guess similarly raped or, child, or children who were molested by some of these people who before you gave up on doing that, I guess because that was all too traumatic to be seeing the victim and then supposed to, where you're supposed to be defending the person who did these things. Yes, it, it just got so overwhelming for me that I made the conscious decision not to represent them. So if somebody would contact me on that, I would refer them to my colleagues who did that, and a lot of my colleagues would refer me cases that I like to do that they didn't necessarily like doing. And in the past several months, I decided to take a job at a government agency where um, I'm, I'm an attorney, but I'm not in the courtroom like I used to be. I'm doing more administrative type things because the reason for that is Never Letting Go has taken off. It has become a major bestseller, and I need the time to be able to do shows like yours, Mm -hmm. which are excellent shows, and to get out there and do the lectures and to do the readings for people without the stress of running a law firm, which I've done for a long time. Yes, I mean, you know, as 2012 is fast approaching and and people are feeling... uh, the world is soon ending, all of this becomes even more relevant between meteors almost hitting the earth and terrorist threats. Talking about terrorist threats, <laughs> I did that yes. unconsciously. <laughs> I wanted to get to and 9-11. <laughs> 9-11, because during the break, Mark was telling me how he had a premonition about that. Uh, having premonitions is not an unusual thing in my family um, if we had more time I'd like to tell about my mother predicting the fire at the MGM Grand I believe back in 1980 
uh, which is just a horrible tragedy. But I was visiting my cousins. They live in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. And we took the ferry over into Manhattan, and this was in May of 2011. And I was with uh, my cousin Lori, who is um, a distinguished author. Uh, she wrote a book called Elizabeth Street, she's a great author, and um, my niece and my nephew. And when we got off at the World Trade Center station, we were looking up at the World Trade Center. My nephew goes, well, Uncle Mark, we had to go up in there, and all of a sudden I saw falling debris and chunks of cement all around us, and I huddled, and I go, oh, my God, like that. And my nephew's looking at me like, dude, like, what's your problem? And I'm like, oh, my God, something's going to happen. And I go, if you're, if you're up there, you're going to be trapped. You'll be huh. stuck. And, and everyone's looking at me like, oh, God, there goes Uncle Mark again. And I'm like, I'm not going up there. I have a bad feeling about this place. It, it's just I don't even want to be here. And I refused to go. How long before 9/11? Four months. This was in May 2011. uh, Excuse me, 2001. May 2001, and uh, it was a beautiful May day in New York City. Sky was crystal clear, but I refused to go up there. I said, "No, no way am I going." And uh, I just every time I looked at it, that whole trip, I just I just didn't like it, and. I said, if we're going to go up in a tall building, we're going to the Empire State Building, but I'm not going up in that thing. And um, my cousins were just, like, mortified because they're like, this is the you know, greatest building in the, wor- mm. in the world, but I, I just didn't want to do it. And that's not an unusual thing because uh, throughout my whole life, uh, uh, situations like that have happened. My, my parents refused to get on a DC, I think it was a DC-9 or DC-10, um, and uh, mom threw a fit at the airport, and, and uh, they put them on a different flight. Well, the plane they were supposed to be on had to land within 10 minutes uh, due to engine failure. Hmm. It was an emergency landing. So, you know, I, I'm to the point where if I get a feeling like this, I'm not going to do it. Yes. So, and I, and I tell that to everybody. If you get that feeling, and, and, it, and you know it without logical deduction, but you feel it and it resonates throughout your body, then don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, absolutely. So did you feel, as it got closer to the actual 9-11, did you feel this stronger, and did you try to uh, tell anybody? Or Well, it, the problem with premonitions is that they don't come with a time and a date stamp. And, mm. and you know, I'm more of a medium, so it's more I communicate with spirits as opposed to um, seeing future events. Like my sister was talking to me on the phone, and, and she said I had a horrible nightmare. She called me up in the morning. She goes, I, I, have a, 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 I, I had a nightmare that a red car full of teenagers crashed and burned and they all died. And I'm like, well, gee, that's a nice dream. Then she calls me up a couple hours later. She goes, turn on Fox News. Oh, I turn wow. on the news and a red Mustang with teenagers crashed, <laughs> killed all of them within a mile of her house. Oh, wow. And she was just livid and, and it just so upset. But the problem is it doesn't come with a time and a date stamp saying this will happen. I mean, maybe mm. to some psychics it does, but in my experience it does not. Mm. So when we get these feelings, we have to be aware and cognizant of them. But um, uh, sometimes we just don't know when it's going to happen. And a lot of people that I know felt something about 9-11, but they didn't know how to put it all together. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, all right. Um, tell, tell us about, we, we have about five minutes left. Tell, tell us quickly about um, your mother's premonition for the, um, for the fire. 
Well, my parents went to Las Vegas, I believe it was in 1980, and the MGM Grand had just been built, and it was like the shining star on the strip in, in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, she liked, she liked to gamble, and she was pretty good at it. What a surprise, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> she had a sense for what numbers mm-hmm. to play. And they walk into the lobby of the MGM, and Dad's like, wow, isn't this beautiful? And Mom started to sweat, and then she started to hyperventilate. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm burning up. And Dad goes, well, it's beautiful in here. And say, she goes, it's a tomb. And she kept saying, it's a tomb, it's a tomb, it's a tomb. And she started to cry. And she goes, oh, dear God, get me out of here. It's a huh. tomb. And Dad's like, okay, okay, because he knew when, you know, when Mom was doing yeah. this, he had, he had to go with it. And I remember when they got back from Vegas, I was in, in college at the time, and she was talking to me, and she said, that place is a tomb. I hated it. One month later, a fire broke out in the MGM Grand, and what happened was it was in um, some faulty wiring, and it burned PVC piping. It got sucked up into the air conditioning vent, and it asphyxiated to death 84 people Hmm. and severely injured another 500. And that's why mom was getting... Um, um, uh, she, her, her breathing, she, and she was, uh, getting like a panic attack and hyperventilating because she was picking up on the asphyxiation. Mm. She started to sweat because she was picking up on the heat and yes, the fire yes. and then the death. And I remember her calling me up and she said, look what's on the news. And I turned it on and she goes, it is a tomb. And you know, mm. and, and, and a lot of people are like, God, that's so creepy. It's like, no, nah, that's mom. <laughs> and uh, but but she, and, and I remember her crying. She was, why couldn't I have seen when? Mm-hmm. I said, Mom. I remember Dad and I were talking to her. I go, Mom, who would have believed you? But yeah, what were you going to yeah. say? This place is a tomb. It might burn down. People are going to choke to death. They would have thrown us out, saying right. you're a bunch of nut jobs. And, right, and right. But but in in the theory behind that is that everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen is already going on. This is all quantum physics string theory, uh, mm. very Einsteinian. And, and for whatever reason, psychics, and, and if we had more time, I could get into why we think this is, we pick up on that vibration. Mm. Oh, wow. Well, here's the vibration of the music. Now, quickly, <laughs> tell us where people can, tell us about your website and where people can get the book. Uh, NeverLettingGo.com is my website. The name of the book is Never Letting Go. You can get it on Amazon. You can, uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all fine bookstores throughout the U.S. And it is uh, a major bestseller, and it seems to be helping a lot of people cope with loss, which is very important at this time. For more information, NeverLettingGo.com. Sounds great. And thank you very much, Mark Anthony. This is fabulous. I wish you all the best. <laughs> well, you must have known it was a bestseller when you were writing it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> or, uh, I was more hopeful. but. Uh... Well, thank you again for being on the show, and thank you all for listening. Again, the book is called Never Letting Go, and, and you can go to neverlettinggo.com and all fine bookstores. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. What do you think of the price of gas these days? I can't take this! 